I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. These people are not right. Police officers should be, in in any reasonable circumstance, considered a hero. Why is he a hero? Because he saved somebody's life. It's not his fault that 15, 16-year-old girl decided that she was going to kill people that day or attempt to kill people that day. What's up, guys? CJ Pearson here. Welcome back to this week's episode. And I hope you guys have had a really good week. Uh, This week has kind of been bittersweet for me. It's kind of the cap of my freshman year of college here, the end of my second semester of my freshman year. And guys, I've got to say, I'm I'm so, okay, first of all, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to go back home. I'm excited to see my family. I'm excited to see my dog. I'm excited to see my friends back home. I'm excited, most importantly, maybe to go sleep in a queen-size bed again because these twin XLs are not cutting it, especially if that's not what you're used to. Um, but nevertheless, though, I'm excited to get back home. And But I've had such a great time here, you know, meeting so many people, getting involved on campus through, like, student government, all those things, um, you know, starting a, you know, a conservative organization here on campus. Like, those have been really, really big moments for me that I've been really, really excited about. Uh, and I'm excited for what lies ahead as well. You know, it's, being in Tuscaloosa was the beginning of quite a few things for me. Um, you know, I literally came here and almost ran for office, guys. Like, that's how, like, crazy this first year of college has been. And the fact that it coincided with an election year where I was nominated electoral college, where I traveled the country on behalf of the president, like, it could not have been a crazier time for me to start my freshman year of college, not to mention the entire pandemic thing, right? Um, like first semester, I had not a single in-person class this semester. I had a lot more, um, which was good, you know, cause it's like, who the hell is shelling out tens of thousand dollars to go to zoom university, not a single soul. Right. And so, um, that was a good development and it's just been, it's been great. Like it's been, the people here are great. The culture here is great. Even though I'm not home, it feels a lot like home, which was really important to me when I was deciding the type of college I go to. And it doesn't hurt that, like, this isn't, like, some crazy school overran by a bunch of freaking communists. Like, that that goes a long way. Uh, there are those definitely, there, there were those purple-haired crazy girls that I run into every now and then. Uh, but for the most part, like, a lot of people here share a lot of similar beliefs, lots of similar mindsets, and it's good to see. Uh, and so to all of you people who are always asking me, like, do we, should we have hope in the future? You definitely should. Uh, at the very least, you're going to have hope in the future here in the state of Alabama, which should be red for a very, very long time to come. My home state of Georgia, though, we got to work on that one. <laughs> and, I, and I'll be doing just that when I head back for sure. I'll be back in the trenches, uh, back on those parts. So I'm excited about that. But guys, funny story today. I actually got kicked out of Starbucks. Yeah, you heard that right. I was literally bounced from Starbucks today. Because, okay, for, let me just tell you the story beginning to end. And, and, and I actually, for, 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 you know, everyone, 
I like Starbucks. I really do like Starbucks. Whenever I'm sick, I always get the medicine ball, which if you don't know what that is, like if you ever get sick, if you're dealing with a cold, head cold, whatever, go get a medicine ball. Seriously, go get a medicine ball. But when I don't get a medicine ball, when I'm just out with friends, they want to go to Starbucks, I always order a strawberry acai lemonade with no dried berries. That's my Starbucks order. Fun fact about me. But <laughs> I go to Starbucks today because my friend wanted was getting something uh, for one of our other friends, and he goes to order her drink. And they and, and her drink is actually, coincidentally, it's also my drink. We get order the same thing whenever we go. And he goes to order the drink, which is that strawberry acai lemonade, no dried berries. Uh, and the, the cashier lady tells them that they have a national lemonade shortage, a national shortage of lemonade, which is impacting Starbucks very hard. And I like, and I'm, and I didn't hear this entire exchange between him and her. Right. So, cause I was on my phone doing whatever. And so he like, he's like, okay, whatever. And he doesn't order anything. So I go to order or the same thing. And she tells me now like that they have this national shortage of lemonade. I was like, how in the hell is there ever going to be a national shortage of lemonade? Like, it's it's sugar, water, and, like, lemons. So, like, the shortage would not be the lemonade. It would be one of those ingredients. So, like, are we running out of sugar? Like, are lemons now, like, endangered? Like, what's going on? We need to get to the bottom of this. And But she didn't take my order before she told me there was a mask mandate or whatever, and I need to be wearing a mask. Even though the mask mandate in Alabama has ended, apparently it's still an effect on our campus. So that's whatever, but, you know, anyways. So I, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the type to be difficult or whatever, so I pull up my polo, I put it over my face as I order this entire thing, and I cannot order this lemonade, the drink that I get. Every time I go, the only thing I know that they serve – because, like, I'm not some Starbucks connoisseur. Um, and basically, I end up ordering a sweet tea. Whatever you do, do not order a sweet tea at Starbucks. It tastes absolutely horrible, and it will make you despise the entire company. Um, like, what? Like, it's almost offensive what they put in that cup and gave to me and tried to brand as sweet tea. Like, literally almost offensive. I was offended when I drank it. More offended. By the fact that as I'm waiting, almost more offended, then as I'm waiting for my drink, I'm talking to some friends. Still, my, my, my polo, my shirt's over my face as I'm having this conversation. I look ridiculous. But I want to comply. I, I want to be, be courteous and kind to their, their establishment, whatever. The supervisor of this Starbucks comes to me. And this is all on campus or whatever. This is the on-campus Starbucks. Comes to me and is like, you can't do that. Like, you can't have that. Like, no, he walked to me and he's like, there's a mass man on campus. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I have this polo over my face. And he's like, no, that it has to be a mask. And so I proceed to then point to the sign in his own business that he allegedly supervises because really if you don't know what your own signs say in your business are you actually supervising anything no you don't you aren't super mm. Ooh, i'm still worked up got mm, 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 let me breathe well anyway so i, I pointed this out i'm like that literally says facial covering and it, it doesn't take a genius to see that this is covering my face like literally probably more fabric is in this polo than would be on some mask or gator or whatever. Like, what are you even saying? Like, what are you tripping about? And then he proceeds to like, go back and forth with me about this or whatever. Some liberal girl then decides that she wants to chime in. 
And I'm just like, oh God, I was like, I do not have time for this today. It's it's like early, well, it's not early, it's like noon, but still, it's like, I'm just like, this is just, it's finals week, like, I, like, no, like, this is just not, so I literally, like, I'm, I, I'm at that point where I'm so done, I just look at the girl, I'm like, you literally need to relax, like, be quiet, like, I'm just like, be quiet, like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to Starbucks fan here, like, like, stop. And, and then she just gets, she's such a Karen, just starts freaking out, going crazy. I'm like, oh my God, like literally what? And, and, and the reason I say all of this to say is that, guys, if we cannot live in a world where two narratives are supposed to exist, the two narratives that they're pushing can co- really peacefully coexist, those narratives being the fact that vaccinations work, or the COVID vaccine works specifically, and you should still all be forced to wear a mask. Like today, Joe Biden declared, hello, America. You all have permission to wear a mask or not wear a mask anymore outside. Joseph, I didn't need your permission. I didn't need you to tell me a damn thing about what I'm going to do outside. I will never, you and, and I was never caught doing that stuff. I wish I would get caught walking around outside with a mask on. Who's going to catch COVID? The squirrels? The gnats? The mosquitoes? No. It is absurd. The logic is ridiculous and makes no sense. But nothing really does uh, to these people. They just talk to talk to hear themselves speak. And they want people to just blindly follow their crazy narratives. Don't question it. Don't second guess them. Just take whatever they say as fact. But anyways, guys, Starbucks aside, we actually have a really great show ahead. Officer Brandon Tatum. Guys, you you probably all know who he is. This guy's an absolute rock star. He's doing such incredible work, not only uh, in the black conservative community, but the larger conservative community as well. And we are going to be talking about policing, all these police brutality stuff and the, the left's been preaching about for the last several weeks. And also some cases related to Ohio and his personal journey and how he really deals with all of this as a former officer. He was in the front lines of a lot of these fights. And I asked him the question. I was up front. I was like, who would even want to be a police officer in America today? Like how? Like how do, how do they even do it? It just really speaks to the types of people these people are. It, it, is, it is selfless work. Let's not pretend that these people are getting paid millions of dollars because they're not. So he joins us. We're going to get in that conversation and we'll do that right after the break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back, guys. So you've seen all the headlines going on across the news. You know, police officers being painted as some of the biggest villains in America right now. And the left is doing this intentionally. You know, every time they run out of things to talk about an issue to talk about, or when they really just have nothing to talk about because all they really care about these days is COVID and masks and pushing these vaccines, they try to demonize race. They try to bring up race any way they can, and they found a way to do it. With all these, with the with George Floyd, they've done it with uh, this case happening in Ohio, and it's absolutely 
been insane. And I can't think of anyone better to talk about this. And we had Brandon Tatum on today. And then a former police officer, you know, Brandon was on the front lines of, you know, of this entire, you know, narrative, you know, back in the day when he was policing. And so Brandon, uh, you know, what is it, what's going on in America right now from, from your point of view, being someone who served in that role, who wore the uniform, how does it feel to be a former police officer in America today? Well, CJ, thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I'm proud of you and all the things that you're doing. And, you know, I can speak a little bit to this because, you know, I talk to police officers on a day-to-day basis, police officers that we we actually help out, some of my friends that are still in law enforcement. And it is a terrible state of affairs as law enforcement officers in America. I mean, you have no support from many of your, um, you know, upper command staff. They, they throw you under the bus at the drop of a dime. Um, we just helped out an officer in D.C. Metro where they were getting ready to discipline him without pay because he made a statement about Makai Bryant that was 100% legitimate. So it's a it's a bad state of affairs, and, and hopefully we can turn this around um, sooner than later. Yeah, and I, I, I think what narrative, like, it really, like, I've not seen anyone really encapsulate it better. It's like I saw this uh, lower third on Fox News in a segment last week. It said, who would want to be a police officer in America right now? And, like, can you blame them for not wanting to be, you know? Like, it's the most thankless job in, in, in the world right now, and it's insane to see. Yeah, many, you know, it's hard to, you have to be called to be a police officer in general. I mean, even in the heydays, the greatest times of being law enforcement, you don't get paid hardly any money. You, you, you know, it's a thankless job, and you put your life on the line every day. You see things that people could never stomach um, on a day-to-day basis. So it's a difficult job in and of itself, just putting your life on the line and risking it all for people you don't know and people that, you know, potentially hate you. Um, But then you add on the added ridicule, the assassinations of police officers that have occurred because of the ridicule from the top down, from the president to politicians to community leaders. It it just makes it incredibly uh, more difficult. And I'd encourage people who are in law enforcement to at all costs leave your agency and go somewhere where you appreciate it or put in your retirement so you can walk away with your dignity. You know, and, and you're in an interesting, uh, I think, it, it's it, you're in an interesting position because not only are you a black conservative, but you were also a black man in law enforcement. Uh, you know, what was, what playing both of those unique roles, like what has that been for you? And do you think like being, actually being a black man in law enforcement prepared you for what you do like in the conservative movement now? Because as a black conservative, I, I know the unique criticisms that we get, right, from people, you know, we're sellouts, we're Uncle Toms, we're you know, we're house Negroes, all these things. It's, it, it, it's tiring because they literally don't seem to be able to come up with anything new to say. But do you think like your experience in law enforcement, like being kind of a, being kind of an anomaly in a sense, do you think that prepared you for the work that you do now on the front lines of like the conservative movement? In a way, I do. I think so. You know, I think being a police officer, you know, for the time I spent in the Tucson Police Department changed my life because when I first became a police officer in 2011, I wasn't I didn't view myself as a conservative and I thought I was a Democrat. And so having that exposure and experience as a Democrat and a police officer. And then, you know, becoming conservative and realizing that I'm not a Democrat and no, I'm not even close to being a liberal. um, That really gave me two things. You know, the first thing it, it gave me was exposure and experience to truth. 
And then second, it, it, it gave me a love and passion for my country that drives everything else I do. You know, being a police officer, serving my community, and now, you know, serving the public by informing people and doing a lot of entrepreneurial work, it, it those things combined really made me um, pretty effective. Definitely. And, you know, based on that experience, you've used that to really talk a lot about what's going on in Ohio, you know, with the, with the girl who was uh, shot by the officer and, and all that stuff. For me, I, you know, I look at that and, and you just see how eager the left is just to grasp at straws. Like they'll take a textbook, just clean shoot. Like the girl was literally about to stab someone to death. And they want to blame that and flip that on law enforcement. Like, does that like that has to make your blood boil as someone who was in their shoes? Because it's just like you look at the video and it's like you have two choices. You either let this girl literally kill another person or you do what you are literally supposed to do as a cop, serve and protect. But yet for some reason, they still find a way to demonize and vilify a man who was simply doing his job. You have like LeBron James doing what he did, posting his picture on his Twitter account. And an attempt to and literally, if anything happens, that officer, the first person that needs to be arrested is LeBron James. And the fact that like that's not like like it, it's insane. And, and, and the fact the more that we accept that, I think is just like the more commonplace it's going to be. But uh, like that has to just like anger you. And I think you've talked a lot about that. Like really it kind of go into your thoughts about that entire situation and, and the way it relates to just what the left has been trying to do and the narrative they've been trying to push in relation to like police just in general. Well, CJ, we're, we're dealing with uh, evil people because if you were to watch Makai Bryant's, um, you know, police interaction and you are to omit the knife in her attempting to stab another girl in order to push a political agenda or put out an article or, or push a perspective um, to, you know, codify your audience or not codify your audience, but to, to, to coddle them, you are evil. This is causing people to hate police. This is pushing uh, people into a very dangerous position where they want to challenge the police in, in situations that they shouldn't. They're putting themselves, their, their lives in danger, and, you know, and, and, and it shouldn't even be that case. These people are not right. You know, that police officer should be in, in any reasonable circumstance should be considered a hero. Why is he a hero? Because he saved somebody's life. It's not his fault that 15, 16 year old girl decided that she was going to kill people that day or to attempt to kill people that day. It wasn't his choice. His choice was to say, I'm going to preserve the life of the other young lady who's being victimized. And they're both 15-year-old girls, I believe, 15, 16-year-old girls. He saved that girl's life. Unfortunately, Makai Bryant couldn't handle four shots to the chest. He, his intent wasn't to kill her. His intent was to eliminate her as a deadly threat. Unfortunately, subsequently, um, she loses her life. But it bothers me, man, because let me tell you this, CJ, our, our, our country isn't a racist country. We don't have a problem with law enforcement. Can law enforcement improve? Yes. But we don't need we don't need police reform and all of this different stuff that they're saying. They are exaggerating these things. If we could just sit down and say, OK, let's look at the cases where police have misconduct, let's review them, see to see that justice is served, and let's look at ones where police done things that we may not like. However, it's according to the law and use of force policy and separate the two. And then maybe we could come to a, a solution in a, in a unified stance on policing in America. Yeah, exactly. And it's and, and it just also points to the fact that like the reason like how flimsy this entire narrative is on the on the left side, they they 
this entire America is racist. America is systemically bad. America is just the worst place to live and, and be black is just so untrue that they have to like grasp at these at these cases where there literally is nothing there, you know, just to, in an attempt to substantiate their long-standing claims and, and hatred for this country. And it and, and it's sad because it's like America has given so many opportunities to people of color, but you just have to go out and take them. Like, that's the thing. Like, America is one of those places like, yeah, like you have opportunity, but for some reason, people just don't realize that you have to work to get those opportunities. You have to work to achieve them. And that's been a lot, a huge part of what you've been saying. And but you've gotten a lot of flack from black liberals for that, like telling people like, hey, like you need to work. Like who would have thought that would ever be an unpopular opinion to have? But that's kind of what brought you to conservatism. And you you weren't always a conservative, right? What kind of brought you? And, and to like the conservative fold and, and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're, we're, we're struggling in our country with weak men, you know, people who are very soft and cowardice, you know, black men in America weren't like that in the past. You know, we would, we would work hard. We believe in proving ourselves and making our own way. And now people have lost the boat. Now for me, when it comes to becoming a conservative, you know, I was raised like like most black families. You know, there's some unique situations where, you know, the family is smart enough to not brainwash their children um, into believing in Democrats. But I grew up believing I was a Democrat. Peer to peer professional uh, conversations would, you know, instigate that because, you know, the Democrat Party was the party of black for the blacks and the Republican Party were racist white people. And growing up, I just I held that in my heart. And even that white people didn't like me and that I got to work three or four times as hard to to make it anywhere. The white man is bad. And and but when I got to college and I started getting exposure to different things and I became a police officer and I got saved. And when you add all of those components together, that really woke me up to realize like, wait, hey, I'm. I don't believe in abortion. I don't believe in same-sex marriage. I don't believe in taxing the, the crap out of people who are working hard just to make a living. I don't believe in anti-Christian rhetoric. You know, I, I, I don't believe in the Ku Klux Klan and, and, and slavery and racism, which, which is the platform that the Democrats have held for, for a very long time. And so once I woke up to that, I started to, to look at the conservative side and realized that I have been a conservative this whole time and I'm more aligned with the Republican Party conservative values than I would ever be um, from the left. Yeah. And I think that that's like the story of so many people like in our community. Like I grew up in a Democrat household as well. I grew up you know, believing that the only way for someone that looks like me to vote was like Democrat. And it, it's it, you have to grow up and, and look into these issues yourself before you can really realize it. Like it, how like like what the left believes today is really the antithesis of what most black people in America actually believe. You know, I grew up going to church every single Sunday. I grew up with like a strong emphasis on family tradition, all of that. The left is literally saying is like is against is opposed to all of that today and i think once you like open your eyes to that and just realize that number one the color of your skin should not dictate your politics but number two when you actually just like get rid of the identity politics and just look at the issues for what they are it's incredibly hard not to be a conservative in america especially if you're in the black community because i guarantee you if you ask your average 50 year old black woman down south you ask her, hey, do you think the kids should be able to get sex changes at six years old? They're going to look at you like you're crazy. You know, if you ask them if biological men should be able to use the bathroom with their six-year-old granddaughter, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. And so that's why I think, like, people, the left is really trying so hard to import these voters at the border. The, the reason 
that they're not doing anything at the border. It's it's all by design, you know. Like he wants to act like it's it's like, you know, like it's a problem that he can't fix. He if he wanted to do something about it, he could. But they're importing voters because they realize they're losing that stronghold in the black community, uh, and, and it's going to hurt them electorally. And it's going to be the reason that after Joe Biden's four years, if he even makes it to four. They just won't have another person in the White House. And I think those are the days that I'm excited about because I think the more people that we have wake up in our community, that's going to be the one step closer we are to saving this country for sure. Yeah, you're 2000 percent correct. You know, these you know, I don't know a black person, honestly. I mean, legitimate black people. I, I don't know a legitimate black person that that even know what the Democrats are standing for. or The left is standing for. They don't know. They they perceive that they're working for the poor man and doing God's work. and But if they actually knew what was going on, they wouldn't support him. You know, my dad, and he voted for Joe Biden, unfortunately, and I think he know he made a mistake at this point, but he voted for Joe Biden, and I felt like he was manipulated into doing so. And then when I sit him down and ask him questions, I say, Daddy, look at what, what about these taxes? Oh, I don't believe in those taxes, man. You know, and I say, well, Dad, what, what about what about this LGBTQ stuff they're pushing? And my dad said he left the NAACP chapter he was in because they're pushing gay rights and stuff. And he said, I don't want none of the parts of that, man. I'm a Christian man. And so there's a, there's a lot of things that my dad look at now and say, I don't believe in that. And I'm like, well, you don't believe in the Democrat Party. You really don't. And most black people that I know are more of conservative Build yourself up, work hard, um, don't look for no handouts, nobody owe you nothing. Those are the black folks that I know that I grew up around, and they just, you know, for some reason we've been brainwashed to believe that the Democrats are the party that represent that instead of the Republicans. Yeah, even though everything about their history literally shows that they could not care less about us. Like, literally founded the KKK, fought for segregation, fought to uphold slavery, and they're still doing that today. They just do it in a different way. Uh, literally the entire slavery thing that they're trying to propagate these days is just, it's just mental slavery. They want you enslaved to the government. They want you to think that you can't work for yourself. They want you to be comfortable with being poor. Like that's the entire thing that for me as someone who's entrepreneurial is, is a self-starter. I look at it. I'm like, literally liberalism is all about making poverty comfortable. It's not about actually escaping poverty or giving you a chance at a better life or having the ability to own several homes like a Joe Biden or a Maxine Waters. It's about keeping you where you're at, keeping you silent, keeping you coddled and just sending you a check once a month and just telling you to make do with that. Like, why would anyone want to live like that? And I think that, like, when you think about what we're trying to do in the movement, when we go out in the black community, it literally is actual like by definition to me i think it's like it literally is liberation like we're trying to liberate our people in a sense that like we're just telling them like this is not something you should be comfortable with you know if there's more that you can do more that you can achieve if there's a chance for you to climb the societal ladder make more money you know move out of the projects move out of that bad part of town send your kid to better schools you should but for some reason folks like joe biden kamala harris who claims to care so much about black people but only claims to be black when it's politically convenient for her She's Asian American when it when it's when it's convenient then and then Indian when it's convenient then or whatever, but black when it's politically good, you know, like they're they just literally want to keep us where we're at. And and for me, it's 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 mind boggling to me why we accept that cycle after cycle, election after election, and why 90 percent of our community continues to fit that way, because it's just like we deserve better. And if we don't think we deserve better, why? You know? 
Yeah, we it's, it's it's a level of brainwashing that's going on, which is unfortunate. And, and like you said, we're trying to really wake people up. I feel like there's two liberations that have happened in my life and, and probably will happen to everybody at some point if they if they're receptive to it, is that I was liberated from death to life when I got saved, when I became a Christian, and then I was liberated in a carnal sense politically. I mean, when I realized that I'm not I'm a conservative and, and I don't have to live with only this one party telling me all the things and me accepting it as being true. There's a bigger side there, you know, and, and now that they've lost touch on economics with black people because nobody wants to pay crazy amounts of taxes. No, no sane person wants to pay half of their money to the government just to watch it go down the drain. So they can't win on those economic arguments. They can't win on the history of the Democrat Party. So now they can win with brainwashing and fear. So they fear black people with the COVID virus and then they fear um you know, they, they, they try to instill fear into African-American people, you know, when it comes to racism in this country. And so everything is racist. All the white people hate you. You, you don't have an opportunity. They tell kids in, in elementary school that you got to watch out for, for your white friends because they got it easy and you don't have nothing. And that, that's going to be like that forever. So when they can't win those other material arguments, they go to brainwashing people into fear. And, and I hate to say it, but in many cases, it has worked. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. a lot of work on on college campuses and, and things like that i don't think there's any place more pervasive or any place where brainwashing is more pervasive these days you have professors who are almost homogeneously liberal every single one of them it doesn't matter really what university you're at these days unless you're at like liberty or hillsdale you know if you're at any other university in this country you're going to run into probably someone who's incredibly far left who think who, who loves to present their opinions as matters of fact, you know, I get so many messages from, you know, students all across the country who are like, well, my teacher said that America's racist. Like, how do I like refute that? How do I, you know, you know, de like defend my own values and principles? Because that's not how I was raised. Like, I didn't go to school saying, you know, believing that America's racist. I went to school loving America. And as you should, like they had a great upbringing. But you have this professor who is, again, taking their opinions, presenting them as facts to an impressionable group of people. You know, people go to class to get educated. And so they think that, like, when their professor is saying America's racist, America's bad, America's keeping the black man down, that all of that is just a matter of fact. So to the students listening, like the young conservatives listening, how do you suggest they refute that? What's your argument? What, what do you say to that when people approach you with that kind of thing? Well, I'll tell them to be, to be factual about you know what's going on you know have facts on your side don't let people just tell you black people are getting gunned down by police every day and then you know use the facts you know and, and, and stand on them and, and be and be bold you don't have to believe what they're saying you don't have to listen to what they're saying and you don't have to you know uh, bow down to these statements just because you're not black or just because you're not you know whatever category they want to put you in stating that you don't understand where others are coming from you got to stand up man you know the reason why i'm successful and you're successful cj 
is because we're not afraid to stand up in in, in the face of adversity. I could care. I, I couldn't care less what people think about me. I don't care. If people call me an Uncle Tom bootlegging sellout, whatever they want to call me. I don't care. All I'm doing here is I'm going to tell the truth no matter what. And, you know, like I keep going back to my Christian faith, you know, I'm just like I want to be more like Jesus, you know, where Jesus didn't care. He did what he had to do all the way to the cross. And I'm going to do what I have to do all the way to, you know, symbolically the end, you know, the end of what I'm doing. So, you know, I really want them to be encouraged and stop being soft. You know, some people have legitimate fears or whatever, but. Most of it is just being soft, man. You, we gotta, we gotta have strong people stand up. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of young people on campus who do, who do it, um, on a day to day basis. But you know, I would just tell them, stand up, man. Fight for what's true, because if you don't fight now, they're gonna take over. Yeah, and I think people forget, like the amount of value, or don't really realize the amount of value that people place on truth these days, because it's just it's such a rarity that when you hear someone who's just honest and upfront and frank and like like you said just doesn't care because facts are facts you know and, and and you can't change that there are two genders that is indisputable it doesn't matter what your professor says or whatever some random person sjw blue-haired liberal says on twitter there's always going to be just two genders that is a matter of fact you know like these things are just non-negotiables and like the thing is people like to hear the truth and, and you mentioned it it's like why me and you um, are able to do what we do because it's like we're just unequivocally just gonna just gonna be upfront. We're gonna be real, and that's the thing. Like I, I when I argue with liberals, I'm like, here's the deal. You know, you're entitled to believe whatever you want to believe. At the end of the day, what you're saying is based on emotion. What I'm saying is based on fact, and that's why, to me, when I when conservatives like they're at, like, how do I respond to this? I'm like, you will always be an advantage because what you're gonna say is based on reality and based on truth. You know, th- what they're saying. You know, this entire pronoun nonsense, all of this, like, it's all based on their this PC BS that doesn't that it's not real life. And I think that we we don't think about that sometimes because it's so easy to forget how privileged we are in that sense that we actually have facts to stand on. These people just make things up as they go. It's why they attach themselves to these emotional issues because, like, that's all they have and that's all they ever want. And that's why we got to keep standing up, you know, because when you have you have facts brought up against emotions, facts win every time. And. I tell you what, I want people to know this as well, and and CJ, you as well, is that, you know, we're planting seeds. You know, we may not flip people today. We may not flip people next week, but as you continue to plant seeds in the individuals, at some point it's going to sprout and it's going to grow, and that person is going to become a person like me and like you. You know, you just never know who that next person is going to be that could change the world. So another encouraging factor is that despite what they're doing, keep pressing forward. Because there's young Tatums out there that haven't converted yet that can be a powerful force with a great testimony that can really help us move the needle. However, don't ever fall for, you know, in, in the pursuit of that, pursuit of that, don't ever fall for these lies. I know that there's people out here who happen to be white who may feel like, you know, I don't want to hurt black people. I never had any intentions of that's that's bad what happened to black people in the past. Don't let them use that, you know, good hearted emotion to trick you into feeling like you owe somebody something. If you don't, if you didn't have nobody as a slave, you don't owe the next man who wasn't a slave anything. Yeah. You know, like, why are you responsible for, you know, atrocities that you yourself did not commit? Like, you know, you can condemn that past and things like that, but like, like, it's just like, what can you yourself do about it today? You know, like 
that and it's just it, people are so hell-bent on reliving that history and, and it's so weird to me how democrats love to bring up that history and then always find a way to minimize their role within that history like when you talk about slavery let's talk about slavery let's talk about how democrats actually fought an entire war to defend the institution and practice of it and you want to talk about jim crow you want to compare these new voting laws to jim crow who the hell created jim crow laws democrats created jim crow laws so it's like you know like it, it, it's the craziest thing because it's like it, this is the history that's not being taught in schools today because if it was taught in schools today you would not have kids leaving college or leaving high school voting democrat they would despise the democrat platform especially if they actually believe what they claim to believe if they really want to be woke and they want to be social justice warriors and care about black people and their advancement and all these things about minorities and all of that they have to look at the facts and the history of this country. And the history of this country literally just plainly shows the Democrat Party was literally founded on the bedrock of racism. And that should alarm anyone. And, and, and I don't know how anyone can be a part of a party that has that kind of history. You know, I agree to a thousand percent. And that's that's one thing that we got to do is educate people. You know, uh, that but Democrat Party is bad. It's bad. They're, they've been evil since the very beginning, so I'm not shocked that they're doing things that they're doing now. I think that they've always been a part of I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't alive when Democrats were early on, and I don't know if they retain God in their consciousness, but it appears that they've always been a party of, of not retaining God and not really being fruitful uh, when it comes to things of, you know, like unity and equal rights for everybody, everybody in America. I mean, they have con- consistently been against civil rights, and, and they're doing the same thing now. Like, they're just doing it to a different class of people. They, they held black people back. Uh, th- during the civil rights movement. They did not want black people to have rights and equality and, and desegregation. And now they're doing the same thing in reverse. They want to segregate black people again. And they want to they want to do the same negative um, things to white people. Now, if you're white, you're a scumbag. You're, you're, the, you're the worst person to ever exist. You know, you are, you are the, you know, the slave master today. And, and, and you, you have privilege and you need to, you know, undo your privilege and and you can't go certain places. You can't talk about certain things. They're doing the same thing they did to black people, to white people today. And I'm not shocked. Yeah. And then what they don't realize is that anti-white racism is literally still racism. You know, hating anyone because of the color of their skin is still racism. Uh, and, and it's not justifiable in any sense. Like you want to talk about living in a more equal world, a more fair world, a less hateful world, then start there. Because it, it seems to me it's like they, they, they think that any that kind of hate is tolerable and then they wonder like why you know you have other cases of racism and it's like maybe like when you demonize one group because of the color of their skin maybe they're going to do the same thing and i think we would all benefit from a world that's less hateful but it seems that hate continues to be derived from one place and that's the left they want to paint us as racist and xenophobes and sexist and all of this when they literally are like doing that very thing towards us like i like i'm old enough to remember when wearing a Trump hat in certain places in this country was like almost an invitation to get punched in the face. It wasn't liberals doing it. It wasn't conservatives ever doing that. Like I never saw a Joe Biden shirt and, and like was like, whoa, let me go punch that person in the face. Like, sure, I may have thought like there was something wrong with them. But, you know, I never thought like, hey, like, let me go punch them in the face. Like, we're just built different in that way, I guess. You know, we, we know how to like behave. I, like, I don't know. But I think it's deeper than that. It's not about behavior. It's about having that hate in your in your heart that you that you just referenced and it, it, it's insane and it literally should be a hate crime like it should be a hate crime yeah i, I really wish that uh, some government official or one day will, will classify or at least be bold enough to create legislation to make 
you know, somebody discriminating against you because of your political beliefs are hate crime. I mean, because think about this, you know, it, it's I almost think it's somewhat of a human rights violation. When you think about the right to vote, you think about your right to freedom of assembly and freedom uh, to speak. And then you say, well, if you voted this certain way or you think a certain way, you are counseled. You can't even you can't even fly if you support the president, you know, support President Trump or they take away all of your rights. If you make a statement to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a conservative. Now you are racist. Now nobody, you know, they, they begin to discriminate against you based on something that's your constitutional right. And that's your right to vote. You have a right to vote. You have a right to have a voice. You have a right to freedom to freely assemble and they will bludgeon you. If you assemble in the way that they don't like. So it's not just political. It's, it's they're, they're, they're using politics to then attack you on these fundamental um, basis of your constitutional rights. And, and they're even going after the Second Amendment now. So it, it is a it is a big deal to me that people are using politics to attack people. And, and, and be hateful towards them. And, and I wish that we could stand up a little more and protect individuals, both sides. If you like Biden, who cares? I mean, I think you I think that you are uninformed, but who cares? I'm not going to hit you over the head. I'm not going to not let you I'm not going to not hire you for a job. But we don't get the same um, reciprocated. Um, you know, uh, we don't get that same thing reciprocated to us. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a double standard that. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to be changing anytime soon, but I think that that's why we fight so hard. And, I, and it's why we're so strong as a movement, because we know like we don't have the media backing us. We don't have all these celebrities backing us. We don't have social media elevating or promoting our, our platforms. Like We have to work in spite of all of that, which is why I think that we just are just a stronger movement and why, you know, Sure, you know, we're going through a rough patch now and we will for the next four or so years. But I think it's going to bring back a movement that's really stronger than it was ever before. Because um, we are going to see what America looks like under a Democrat president. They're going to realize that they don't want that again. You know, I'll have my, I have my friends here in college who like voted for Joe Biden. They're like, damn, like, why is my gas $4? I'm like, your gas is $4 because of you. Like, that's why your gas is $4. And so I think people are already opening their eyes and are realizing, like, ah, like this entire Democrat thing doesn't sound too right. I think TikTok lied to me. Yeah, TikTok did lie to you. Maybe don't vote based on what's on your For You page or whatever. Like, let's do better than that. So, but Brandon, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. It's always great to, to talk it out with you. And I hope you, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's always so great to watch. And uh, you know, I just want to say to everyone that, you know, that you worked with back home and, you know, your friends still on the floor, just know America's still with them. Like even even if it I, I think times are tough, obviously, for a lot of them, and but they're still doing the work. They're still doing the job. Uh, if they don't hear from anyone else, like thank you. And, and thank you for what you did, you know, when you served as well. So we appreciate you, my guy. All right, CJ, man, I, I appreciate you having me on again, man. Keep your head up. You are, you're an incredible young man, you know, doing it at your age. I was I was cutting up when I was your age. So um, doing good things and being a voice of reason and persevering at your age is, is admirable. So um, thank you for what you do as well, brother. And anytime you want me on, just holler at me. Before we go, I want to thank Brandon Tatum again for a great interview. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Facebook, and Telegram, Instagram, 
all the apps. Username is at DCJ Pearson. Special thanks to my producer, Robert, the man, Robert, um, is always just helping us out over here. Couldn't do it without him. Our writer, Aaron, researcher, Margaret Smith, and our executive producers, Debbie Myers, and of course, the man, Speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Thank you so much, guys. I'll see you next week. Hey guys, CJ Pearson here. Join us right here on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts for the same hard-hitting truth because we'll never stop fighting for you. Right here on CJ Pearson Uncensored. CJ Pearson Uncensored, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.